I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back to Dinner Table Politics. This is Jim Bennett. And I'm Abby. You know, last time we were talking, it was just about a couple of hours afterwards when the news about Roseanne broke. We were talking about the Solo movie, but the big media news was that Roseanne had issued a racist tweet and then they canceled her TV show. And I know that was heartbreaking to you because Roseanne is your favorite TV show, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I really have so many fond memories of watching the things on the show that happen. Right. I have never seen an episode of Roseanne, then or now. I haven't either. I know I sounded like I was an expert, but I was just kidding. I and actually haven't. I know. I, 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 I caught that you were you were an expert. I actually looked up, like, after all this was happening, I, like, looked up clips on YouTube from the show, and I t- wasn't terribly thrilled. Yeah. Well, it seemed just like another sitcom, like, I don't know. Well, she's always struck me as a really unpleasant person, regardless of her politics. I mean, I haven't really paid attention to her politics. During the 90s, she attracted a lot of attention for singing the national anthem. Did you hear about oh, that? Oh, I saw that. I, that. That came up on my YouTube, recommended, actually. Right, good times. Good and everybody was that. upset of her, over for that. And, you know, politically, prior to Trump, she was um, she was actually a candidate for the Green Party for president. right. And, you know, so politically, she's sort of been all over the map. But regardless of her politics, I've just found her unpleasant. Did you know she's from Salt Lake City? I did not know that. Yeah. That she... explains why she's so unpleasant then. <laughs> yeah, probably. Just kidding. No, but she grew up here and, and she really hates the Mormons, if you get her talking about that. But, uh, you know, I, I look at it and I, I think whenever something like this happens, people start talking about freedom of speech. That somehow it's a violation of Roseanne's freedom of speech so, to cancel her so TV show. So what did she say for the people that don't know exactly what she did? Well, uh, there was a tweet. I mean, she was tweeting a bunch of nonsense. She was tweeting garbage about Chelsea Clinton saying Chelsea Clinton was George Soros's niece. But the tweet that got her in real trouble was she said, uh, Planet of the Apes and the Muslim Brotherhood had a baby equals... VJ, who was Valerie Jarrett, who was a, a, an advisor in the Obama administration. And, you know, comparing African-Americans to Planet of the Apes. It's pretty despicable. It's pretty despicable. And she was fired within hours, maybe even minutes. I mean, it didn't take very long. ABC. Well, I don't, re- well, I don't really understand either, though, is that this isn't new with her tweeting just hot garbage on her Twitter all the time. Before her show was even green-lighted, she had been tweeting. Like, I saw um, she like was a big fan of Pizzagate, that oh, whole yeah, nonsense. Yeah. And so this wasn't a new thing with her tweeting, tweeting racist stuff, but it, it wasn't. It, I guess this was finally like I don't know why her show was even like allowed to to be produced then or made if the, if she had been tweeting such awful things beforehand. But well, the show was also coming under fire for the fact that the character Roseanne she plays a character named Roseanne Connor, who's must be light years different from Roseanne Barr. 
but Roseanne Connor was a Trump supporter. And everybody thought that was really remarkable to have a television series where you have a Trump supporter who's supposedly a sympathetic character. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the, but crossing the line, it, it's just really hard or impossible to interpret that tweet as anything but racist. And I really like the the makers of Ambien who tweeted back that are, you know, she could... Well, because she said that she was Ambien tweeting. Right, and they say Ambien doesn't... One of the side effects is it doesn't make you racist. But one of the things that a friend of mine... I have took an Am, I have taken Ambien once, though, and it was a weird time. Weird time? Did it make you racist? No. What did it do? No, shockingly. <laughs> what, what was your I, experience? I don't remember why I, I took it. I don't... I don't remember. Anyways, but I, I remember just like... Um, getting up like it well I don't I like didn't remember it until the next day and then like I started like recollecting things and I had like just gotten up in the middle of the night and like taken out clothes and like put them on the ground so I like I woke woke up and I was like why are all these clothes out well you you have been known to have some nighttime kookiness even with I took I took a I took a shower in all my clothes once just (laughs) in elementary school I think I remember I woke up when the water hit me it was it was pretty jarring. Well, well, so I talk in my sleep a lot too. So yeah, maybe yeah. I've had arguments with you in your sleep. I've I've talked to a lot of people in my sleep. Oh, that's good. Then, well, anyways. Well, so but you you look at Roseanne and and uh, the whole issue of freedom of speech. Pe- people, I you you you're too young to remember the um, the firing of Bill Maher from his show Politically Incorrect. He had a late night ABC show. And right after 9-11, uh, he was on his show and he said, everybody's calling these attackers cowards. We're the ones who are cowards because we're lobbing cruise missiles from thousands of miles away. Say what you will about these attackers. They weren't cowardly. And that was considered... This is like right after it happened? Right after 9-11. Uh, and uh, that was considered... You know, the, the atmosphere right after 9-11 was so pro-American and so unified that anybody that sort of stepped away from that, even in the slightest bit, it was very jarring. And he lost the show very quickly. But what happened then, which is not happening now with Roseanne, is that a lot of people said, Bill Maher has the freedom of speech. He should have the freedom to be able to say what he wants. That's very different, though, besides calling someone like that... That's very different than blatant racism. Well, well, regardless of which one is better or worse, like we have, we have freedom of speech, but in in certain circumstances, like no, no, you have freedom of speech in all circumstances. No, Roseanne is not going to jail because well, yeah, she's a racist. Yeah, but you still That's have to what face, freedom of speech. Like makes. you can't go into a, a like the example I always hear is you can't go into a movie theater and yell fire, 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 and right. then expect there to be no consequences. Right, for that. right. Well, freedom of speech does not mean there's no consequences to your speech. It means that the government does not censor what you say and does not punish you and for what you say. And the government wasn't puni- wasn't involved exactly. in either circumstance. Exactly. Exactly. Nobody has a constitutional right to a network television show. That's the thing that people missed back when Bill Maher did it, but everybody seems to recognize that distinction when Roseanne does it. I think there was a Fox News host that complained that her freedom of speech was being violated, but this has nothing to do with freedom of speech. No one's going to lock her up for being a racist and for saying stupid stuff. But the thing that that really frustrated me is I've always been a fan of John Goodman, who plays Roseanne's husband. Uh, He's been in a lot of really good stuff. I think he's a very good actor. I don't know anything about him personally. Maybe he's a kook, too. But but, uh, I just thought of all of the people who were thrown out of work 
when Roseanne decided to, to ambient tweet her racism and and now all of these people don't have jobs. And that strikes me as sort of... John the, Goodman will be fine. John Goodman will be all right. I, I think John Goodman will be fine. But, uh, you know, the economic conditions in this country uh, are not going to get any better based on... Ooh, segue coming up. Uh, did you catch the segue? I guess that wasn't the most uh, graceful of segues. It's not that subtle. Well... I'm no longer a Republican for two major reasons. I mean, well, three. I mean, Donald Trump sort of encapsulates all of my reasons. But the two issues that were very much Republican issues when I was growing up were the issues of immigration and the issue of trade, that Republicans were all for free trade. And this week I was watching the Democratic congressional debate between the two Democratic contenders trying to run in the first district in Utah. And both of them started talking about how free trade is sacred. And I thought, how is it that Democrats are pitching the virtues of free trade and the president of the United States is slapping these huge tariffs on our allies? He's slapping them on our closest allies, not just a trade war with China. He's attacking people, you know, he's attacking Canada. Okay, so lay out exactly what a tariff is. Well, a tariff essentially is a tax. It's a tax on anything that another government or, or you know. Who, so who pays the tax? Um, well, eventually the consumer does. Ultimately, the consumer pays the tax in the form of higher prices. But if you want to sell a product in the United States, if there's a tariff on that product, then you have to pay a certain amount of money to be able to sell that product. Oh, okay. So it's a tax. Uh, tariffs, I mean... The, uh, the the most infamous tariff came from the Smoot-Hawley Act. Oh, one of the guys the Great was Depression. from Utah, right? Yeah, Smoot. Smoot. Every, Wait, Abraham O. Smoot? Um, no, Reed oh. Smoot. Oh, okay, because Abraham O. Smoot like, founded BYU or something. Well, Abraham, Smoots are good folks. Most, I, I know a lot of Smoots, and they're good It sounds people. like a Dr. Seuss name. Yeah, it, it kind of does. There's a Smoot in my boot. Yes, that's exactly right. But most people attribute the... Um, the Smoot-Hawley tariffs for prolonging the Great Depression. Dang it. Uh, beca- that did not need to be prolonged. Well, it, it's just it's just so frustrating to me because Donald Trump pitched himself as the world's greatest businessman, right? You know, he ran this. He's not a politician. He's just a hard-nosed businessman, and he's going to get things done, and he's going to make deals for the American people. And for the great, he's the greatest capitalist in the world, and for the greatest capitalist in the world to not understand how trade works. Well, cap- business is also he went bankrupt what five times before. Uh, something like you can't that. you can't do that. There's no learning curve really with a presidency. You can't bankrupt a country and then be like, oh, let's do it again. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, he keeps complaining about the trade deficit. You know, during the campaign, he kept saying, do you realize we're losing $500 billion in a trade deficit in China? And that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I got I've heard a- stupider things. <laughs> Tell me one stupider thing you've heard. A lot of Roseanne's tweets, I would, I would argue, uh, are stupider. Uh, well, yeah, but they're, they're st- you're right. Spider-Man 3 is a good movie. That's stupider. Yeah, that is stupider. That's a, you know, if you want to get into the Star Wars prequels, those are all stupider. Mm, yeah. But uh, you, you look at this, and I remember having an argument at... Uh, your cousin's wedding with uh, the perfect place, the for perfect such place discussion. where this guy kept telling me, how are we going to pay this money back from all of our trade deficits? And I, the word deficit has people thinking, OK, if I have a deficit, 
that means that I have to pay this money back. You know, we have a budget deficit, and that's the shortfall between what we spend and what we bring in. But a trade deficit is just the difference between the cash that we spend to buy stuff and the stuff we have afterwards. But nobody's poorer after a trade takes place. Do you realize you have a huge trade deficit with your grocery store? Crap. <laughs> I got to call Herman's. So, I mean, that's all it is. You, you pay cash and you get stuff. And that the difference between that cash and that stuff. So we should start stealing. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Just kidding. But whenever we trade, everybody trade makes people richer, makes people better off. Everybody's happier. Not in Monopoly, usually, or well, Settlers of Catan. Yes. Those games ruin families and lives. Well, that's true. And I wonder if Donald Trump's ever played any of those games. He would be an awful person to play Monopoly with. Yeah. Well, I think he's actually owned some of the pro- the the properties that are in Monopoly. I mean, that's Atlantic City. That's Trump's He would bring it up bounce. for sure the whole time you were playing. And you'd be like, just roll the dice, Donald. And he says, I've got a hotel on, on Park Place in real life as well as a hotel. Ugh. So, yeah. But uh, you, you look at that and what Donald Trump's doing, this is, this is going to have real economic consequences. Uh, because what happens is not... We, we slap these tariffs on these countries, and to some degree that saves jobs, right? And in the short term it does, because if you're a steel producer in the United States and it's expensive for a foreign steel producer to sell in the United States, then you get to sell more of your product. But ultimately, people end up paying higher prices for everything, and that ends up costing jobs, and that ends up lowering economic activity. And it's really stupid. And just about everybody agreed prior to Donald Trump that that's not the way to do things. And now the Democrats are saying that free trade is great and it's the Republicans who are burying their heads in the sand. And it doesn't make any sense to me. I just, I think that there should be a mandatory, on Capitol Hill, there should be a mandatory history class that everybody has to go to. Because history just repeats itself over and over and we try the same things over and over and then we're shocked when they don't work. Of course, there's like some some things that are different, but like, like the Smoot-Hawley tariff, like it just... When has a tariff ever worked like the way that we want it to? Right. Like, was it works some? It, like, wasn't it that like in World War II or something that they all put tariffs on Germany because they wanted to like, I don't know. But well, we we've placed trade sanctions on countries where we oh, okay, have. Okay, that's different. I mean, which is different. Well, it's different. I mean, we've done that with North Korea. We do that with a whole bunch of countries, and we do it with Iran. The rescinding of the Iran deal now has increased the sanctions that include not being able to trade with Iran, and that's going to drive up oil prices. Uh, but the, we, those have been done for not economic purposes, but more for diplomatic and punitive purposes. When but, has when has like an economic tariff for our benefit ever worked? That's what I want to know. Well, you have to define what it means by working. I agree with you. I, I, I mean, I look at we are in a world where borders don't matter anymore in terms of communication. You know, I can communicate with somebody on the other side of the world. Your sister is in Africa right now, and we keep getting texts and pictures from her, and she can call us at no cost. No, it's so annoying. We thought we were going to get rid of her for a couple months, but no. <laughs> but no, technology has brought us together. Just kidding. Love you, Eliza. Yes, yes. Uh, we, I, I love you too, Eliza, if you're listening to this. If you're listening to this, you should be working. You should be doing what you're supposed to be doing. I don't think she's listening to it. I don't think she's listening to it either. But, uh, you know... 
governments and borders and those kinds of things matter less in an era when you can communicate with the other side of the world in real time and you can trade with the other side of the world in real time. Because trade tariffs, prior to having a global economy, you didn't know how much other countries were producing in real time. You know, it, it took months, maybe even years, for it to all feed through the system. Well, life before the internet sounds terrifying. Uh, yeah. Well, all it meant for me. What was, did you do for fun? What did we do? We watched a lot of TV and we watched commercials. Ugh, gross. I know. We watched reruns. Uh, and, Yikes. And Saturday morning cartoons. You never even watched Saturday morning cartoons. Yes, I did because we didn't have cable growing up, and so that was the only time that we could like get Disney Channel. Oh, that's true. And they it had was, kind of the. It was because during the week, all I could watch was Brady Bunch and Little House on the Prairie, and so Saturdays were like, "Yay! Now I can watch something that wasn't made in 1970. I can watch Disney Channel and not have to hear Marsha, Marsha, Marsha." You watched the Brady Bunch? I watched so much Brady Bunch. Really? Way too much. Yes. You know, even I, the movies. The movies are funny. <sighs> I don't, I don't know. They're not for me. All right. But I've seen them because well, it's all I could get. Uh, well, I'm sorry to have done that to you. I that, really th- was a deprived child. You watch the Brady Bunch and you you get a sense of what life was like before the internet. That's hor- horrible. Horrible. So, and that's like... So they had a housekeeper and I would, I would like one of those. I would like an Alice. Yeah, but you know what? In the bathroom in between the boys and the girls' bedrooms, the bathroom didn't have a toilet. It was really bizarre. It's like, where, what, what's going on with this house? I don't know. Now, Brady Bunch, uh, I don't know what that has to do with, with trade restrictions, so we'll have to wander back into that. But uh, you know, all of the problems that we're seeing, you know, Donald Trump is still wrestling with the Russia investigation. And Rudy Giuliani said something interesting today. He talked about the idea that Donald Trump could conceivably pardon himself If something goes wrong. That seems like an oversight on the Founding Fathers. Like, come on, guys. You didn't write something in there about that? Like, Well, I don't think he's going to do it. And I actually don't think there are going to be any charges where he's going to have to do it. It looks like the Russian investigation is petering out. If he could, couldn't, like, wouldn't have, wouldn't, wouldn't other presidents have done that by now? Like... Well, you think Nixon would have done that to save himself? Clinton, didn't he get... Well, neither Nixon nor Clinton were ever convicted of anything. And to throw a president out of office, you, they don't have to be convicted of a crime. You can, you know, pardoning himself would probably just make the Congress more angry and they would vote to impeach him. You can impeach somebody if you can get two-thirds of the Senate to convict and a majority of the House to impeach... You can impeach somebody because you don't like his hair. And if any president... Why has that not happened yet, then? (laughs) I don't think anybody likes Donald Trump's hair. I agree. I agree. What are they doing up there on Capitol Hill? If if anybody has impeachable hair, it's Donald Trump. So, well, so I don't think he would impeach himself, or, or I'm sorry, pardon himself for that particular reason, because politically it would be so devastating. But I just look at the party of Trump, and we didn't even get to immigration here. I wanted to talk a little bit about immigration and the Trump policy of separating families at the border, although that's been somewhat overblown, it looks like. But uh, the the absolute, you know, you, you can go on YouTube and find a clip of Ronald Reagan and George Bush, George H.W. Bush, talking about immigration. H.W. H.W., and uh, 
Did we talk about your experience with Barbara Bush in this podcast yet? I don't think so. Okay, so why don't we why don't we end with that? Okay. Because Barbara Bush just passed away. And that was like a couple weeks ago. It was, well, it was a couple months ago, wasn't it? I don't know. I I, I'm not even sure we were start. We were doing the podcast, but it's such just such a great story. But you don't remember it because you were how old? I was one, maybe maybe two. I think you were about eight eighteen months. It was the summer of 1998, and you were born of January 97. I so. was. So summer 1998, George H. W. Bush came out to Utah to help kick off uh, your grandfather, my father's reelection campaign, his first reelection campaign. And you were a persnickety baby. That's a good word. Persnickety, yeah. I mean, you, you didn't go to anybody you didn't know. And Barbara Bush, when we were getting our picture taken with her, she uh, showed, she you know said, oh, what a beautiful baby. Here, let me hold her. And she reached out her hands, and you just sort of lunged for her, right? You were just, oh, wow. I don't, I don't, I'm taking your word for it. I remember none of this. Oh, you're supposed to give me color commentary and remember this when you're 18 months old. I was looking into her eyes and I, I really just found someone there I could trust. No, it wasn't. You were lunging for her pearls. I was lunging for the shiny thing. The, the big pretty pearls around her neck. And I just remember prying you off of the former first lady as you were just clenched onto those pearls. And if you look at the picture, and I, I think I'll post it on the blog when I post this, everybody's looking at the camera except Barbara Bush, who's looking right at you, like, make sure that devil Where, child doesn't get anywhere we? near me. So. And, fun fact, I still do that. <laughs> it makes it hard for me to go to nice gatherings, because... Well, so that's the warning. So next time you see Abby, uh, don't be wearing any pearls, because you could be in serious trouble. You gotta gotta make a living somehow. That's right. This is Jim Bennett. And I'm Abby Bennett. And we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye.